0: This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leads
1: Art Week. Tim Guam has never been one for doing things the traditional way. From his days producing reality television shows to his current gig as the vice president of Cheetah Digital, Tim has consistently operated under one founding principle— to create content that makes people say that was awesome.
0: You wanna know if your content's resonating? Yeah, jumping out of a plane and having Tommy Lee like FaceTime you and all these things, sounds crazy. We had CMOs and CEOs at some of our clients writing our CEO notes and emails going, did I just watch your team jump out of a plane to kick this off? That's kick ass, that's different. You got my attention. You have to experiment, you have to jump off ledges. They gotta be calculated risks You have to be doing things that people are going to look at and go, why the heck did they do that? Some will fall flat, fail quickly and move on. But you got to take those risks. You got to have fun. If you're not having fun, why are you
1: doing it? Fun is the key word, but in the B2B industry, it can sometimes get lost in the day-to-day marketing tactics being used. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Tim discusses how B2B marketers can think differently and start injecting a little more adventure into what they do. And he talks about the power of creating meaningful and engaging content, even in a space that's not known for it. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing.
2: Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and today... We are joined by special guest Tim. How are you?
0: I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me today.
2: Yeah, thanks for joining. Excited to uh, to chat about marketing with you today and uh, and and your background. So you've had an interesting background to get here uh, as a leader in marketing. How did you get started in marketing?
0: Oh man, uh, you know it's been an ever evolving thing. I think as most people's career have been, but really started out in entertainment for me at a, at a young age. I was I was. Transfixed on music, uh, and I just found my way into the into the music industry. So I uh, was a manager for a lot of platinum-selling artists back when you know CDs and, and DVDs were actually a physical thing that were being sold. Um, so worked a lot with Capitol Records, bands, etc. Then I transitioned into the uh, B two C space through content. Uh, ended up producing. A bunch of television shows for Viacom, you know, produced the Jackass guys, a, t- a ton of spinoff stuff, direct-to-market to uh, things with Bam Margera, one of the founders of Jackass, a huge skateboarding superstar. Um, fast forward, you know, we learned that making TV came with a lot of TV notes and editors that wanted you to change things. So we went and started making television for brands. I joined a company called uh, Red Robot, which was founded by a great guy, uh, Tom Flanagan, former EVP of entertainment at Lear Burnett. And we went and made content for brands, a lot of television, digital was, was just kind of getting off the ground in the mid 2000s, you know, phones and bandwidth, et cetera. So content was jumping there. Then fast forward, I met it with Mark Cuban. Mark was rebranding his HDNet television network, which is the largest independent television network in America, to an all music network uh, called Access TV. And I had previously relationships with AEG, Live Nation, et cetera. I'd been in the music space. I had produced television, live events, et cetera. So ran the marketing department over there, rebranded, and um, you know, worked with Mark, directly with Mark on a, on a number of initiatives there. Fast forward a couple other bounces in technology, met Scott McNeely, founder of Sun Microsystem, who founded a company, Weigh-In, and started working with them, moved on, and now I landed at Cheetah Digital. So I, I'm a B2C marketer at heart. Entertainment is my core. And I thought it was very interesting that uh, cheetah gave me the runway to come over here in a b 2 B role uh, and take that entertainment background and try and bring it to life for what cheetah digital needs to do today
2: yeah, and so what's the scope of your role uh, at cheetah digital
0: yeah, so right now i 'm the VP of content and data, so what that really means is how do I tell the stories of cheetah digital right? I mean, as a company we've got to sell technology we've got corporations to buy it, et cetera, et cetera. We all know that song and dance, but We want to bring those to life in a different, interesting way. And that's really what what we're doing. My goal is to try and find a new lens because at the end of the day, we're trying to sell technology to people. You know, it's not some rubber stamp that signs our SaaS agreement and says, okay, we're now doing business with you. It's people. People sign those agreements and people say, Yeah, you're the right fit. So my goal really is to connect with people, decision makers, and, and solve the problems. That they have. And we do that through content, through telling stories of how our technology is advancing, you know, global brands to reach your goals.
2: You know, and we've, we've, we've had uh, some folks from, from Cheetah Digital on the show in the past, you know, uh, many moons ago at this point, uh, you know, maybe even a couple hundred episodes ago in in our journey here. So what's, what's the latest with, with Cheetah Digital?
0: Yeah, Cheetah Digital. I mean, we're still, we're still the same. We're, we're the largest independent, you know, multi-channel uh, solution technology provider in the marketing space. I mean, we're a challenger brand to Salesforce and Oracle and SAP and those big, giant marketing clouds, but we believe we're more nimble. Uh, we believe we have a better product. We have a product that's built on one, one technology, one language, as opposed to what you'll see with a lot of marketing clouds Will go acquire different companies, stitch that stuff together with spaghetti APIs, and nothing ever works right. In fact, we use some of our competitors' technologies for our B2B, and it's a, it's a train wreck. So we're trying to solve that problem. We're trying to make marketers' jobs a little easier. Um, and we just recently, in late 2020 here, launched Cheetah Personalization, which I'm incredibly excited about. It's where I have a great deep background in actually hitting the ground running to personalize marketing offers, you know, messaging ads, etc. So that is the fifth Uh, Tier, So to speak of what Cheetah Digital offers. Um, We have a Cheetah engagement suite, which allows brands to ingest uh, zero party data at scale, and then also understand it, give you a clear singular view of all of your customers. And then able to you know make personalization happen across as I mentioned email SMS push advertising loyalty programs etc. So I'm really excited. Uh, 2020 has been a great year for Cheetah. Um, new look, new face, new people, uh, new capabilities. So there's a lot of Cheetah.
2: Yeah, and you know obviously this episode we're gonna we're gonna talk about kind of weaving some of the cool threads from your background and, and what you've learned in marketing uh, to the sort of things that you're doing now. I'm curious, like, you know, you've created all different kinds of content, uh, you know, uh, obviously everything from, from music to TV shows to live events um, to kind of everything in between. So, like, what would you say is, is your content strategy? How do you think about it?
0: Yeah, it's, it's really simple in my opinion. Would I want to consume the thing that I'm producing? You know, to your point, everything as simple as a a gated downloadable PDF for a CMO to understand new metrics or predictions, you know, for next year, all the way up to what we just finished, a live content series for nine weeks. I mean, we brought stories to life from all across the globe during a, a pandemic, you know. So, I always think people first. Is this worth doing? Not from a metric standpoint, not from a, oh, it checks the box. We need X amount of white papers or reports or buyer's guides. Is this actually going to help somebody with their problem? There's somebody out there right now that has a hurdle that we can get them over. How can this content, the format, the medium, the length, you know, how can it help solve that problem or at least get them closer to finding a solution? Our content strategy is really rooted in people first. And that's, that's nothing new, right? I mean, B2C marketing has always been people first. It's always been about getting to the granular level of that person. That's the Holy grail Personalization is now capable these days, but B2B companies haven't been doing that. And I, I've always called them for years, business to boring. You know, it's like, it's run of the mill. We're all using the same tactics. We're all using the third party vendors and outreach and demand gen strategies, but we're not thinking about people. You know, we kind of fill boxes and put this conveyor belt of content out into the market with automation and all this junk. And that's just not the way, you know, we want to operate. We want to thank people first and create the right content and the right delivery mechanisms to literally make them feel good about what they're consuming from us.
2: Yeah. One of the things that we've talked about on this show a little bit, but is something that I'm endlessly fascinated by is like this idea of like, like tangential content, right? And like so many marketers are pretty bad at this, which is like, if, if we're not talking products and features, then like, why am I making content about it? Right. And like, I use the analogy, um, in in the past, I've used it about like fantasy football, right. Is like, there's all these people that play fantasy football, but all the ads that you ever hear on fantasy football, uh, podcasts are just for more fantasy football, uh, stuff or, (laughs) or, or sports betting or whatever. And it's like the number of people who have, you know, taking the jump that said like a segment of our audience is probably plays fantasy football, like maybe we should advertise, you know, blank on uh, on these shows. And I, and I think it just speaks to more like how much market opportunity there is uh, for marketers all the time and for for storytellers all the time. So like, you know, how do you think of like creating something like great and amazing that isn't necessary? necessarily like directly for that, oh, so uh, yeah. yeah, that thing.
0: Yeah, no, it, it, that's a, that's a good call. And I, I'm glad that you're bringing this topic up because I enjoy this topic, right? Part, my title is VP of content and data. So the data end of that is what do we know? Like, how are we mapping the content that we're creating, you know, to the need? So, um, you know, having a 360 degree view of your customer and consumer and your market landscape is very, very important because six people can sit in a room and come up with great. And this is, this goes back to my television days. This is literally how television was made when, you know, reality TV was coming about in the two thousands, five, six people sit in a room and go, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Right. And now all of a sudden, 5 million people on a Sunday night would be watching what six people thought was really cool and funny. Luckily, you know, some of the shows I worked on were were hits. I mean, we were number one rated cable TV show for years with Viva La Bam, a a jackass spinoff. But in today's day and age, you have to look at the data. You have to ask questions. If I asked you, hey, do you love spaghetti? And you said no. And then I invite you over for a giant Sunday spaghetti dinner. I'd be a total jerk, right? Um, I wouldn't be listening. So we always want to listen to the market. We want to engage people. Hopefully, the more the better. But- listen to what they need and what they want, even down to the medium and format. So, you know, when you talk about tangential content, uh, I love the idea of exploring, you know, uh, content topics that aren't a hard sell, as you mentioned. Yeah, we've got solutions. I could talk to you all day long, how, you know, Vans is, you know, getting more money from their loyalty audience than non-loyal audience, you know, people that actually, In there, but let's also talk about the cool trends and let's talk about all the other things that are affecting our business. So, we go, we do a lot of assessments at Cheetah Digital. If you're in our funnels, you probably see us ask a ton of questions. And it's not because we're greedy from a data standpoint and want all your information, it's because we truly want to understand what do you need? What do you care about? Where do you want to consume it? You want two minutes or 20 minutes? And then that data informs what we actually go to market with. And that's why our ROIs are, you know, I mean, we're smashing our KPIs for for our content goals right now because we're
2: listening. I think it is a, a really key point in this is like you have to listen. Um, and then the other piece I think to that is like you have to have like a take, a theory, uh, an experiment that you want to run to say like, Hey, this is worth the money. this is worth the effort to run this. like I'm sure you know, as you know in working in reality t v or 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 whatever, you know, you realize like, hey, we think this is going to be really funnier or this is a good a- idea. You know, some people love those bits so much they go back and watch them years and years and years later, watch them like over and over again, and then other things people don't watch at all, right, or they they didn't think was funny, and I think that like for a lot of marketers like we we plan and we plan and we plan and we we architect this like grand thing and we're like, this is going to be the thing that works. But like, it doesn't, right? Like it, <laughs> it falls flat or, or, you know, people didn't, it didn't resonate in that way. And so we kind of want to, we kind of want to push the envelope in certain ways to make sure that we're getting enough you know enough things that can actually break through and be interesting to people but you also want enough like you know cracks at the bat uh so that you know yeah. you're you uh you you have that that serendipity how do you how do you think about like creating and crafting your campaigns
0: yeah so th- i actually have a good story that relates to to what you're you're mentioning here so you know when we launched signals which is the a Cheetah Digital it used to be a two-day in-person event. Remember those days when we could actually get together? Um, obviously, in 2020, it turned all virtual. So, we decided to do nine weeks of content three days a week, every other week. Kind of kind of weird, but it worked. At any rate, to kick it off, I went to the CEO and I went to the CMO and I said, look, we can do what everyone else does. And yeah, I can hire Michael McDonald, which Forrester did. And I, I'm, I guess I am knocking on Forrester on this one. It's like." that kind of tells me the audience you're going after, right? Michael McDonald, just not my cup of tea. I know he's great. He's a million hits, pretty safe bet. But it's what's expected these days. I went and I said, hey, I'm going to hire Tommy Lee from Motley Crue. They're like, what? That crazy guy with all the tattoos who's nuts and like has been in jail and this and that. And like, yep, that's the one. And I'd say initial reaction when I, when I brought it to the larger team, of the people looked at me like I was crazy. Like, oh my gosh, this guy just wrote his death certificate. He's out of here. He's going to get fired. What turned out is we took a chance. We took somebody that everybody knew, good, bad, or indifferent. Everybody knows who Tommy Lee is. Band's been around forever. One of the largest tours scheduled for 2020 with the biggest ticket sales. It didn't happen because of COVID, but relevant. And we literally, we did things like we kicked off the session by jumping out of an airplane. The CMO and myself jumped out of an airplane at 10,000 feet over eastern Colorado and landed in a giant empty field with two computers sitting at desks. And everyone looked at me like, "What the, what are you smoking, man?" We did an article about it in that age. It was instantly the most viewed article of the week and of all of their partner publishing content, we launched it in late September. It had already surpassed every other piece of content since january 1st so it was the most read or it trended organically and it was our most watched series and we got i'll tell you this you want to know if your content's resonating yeah jumping out of a plane and having tommy lee like facetime you and all these things sounds crazy we had cmos and ceos at some of our clients writing our ceo notes and emails going did i just watch your team jump out of a plane to kick this off that's kick-ass. That's different. You got my attention. I hope your products and everything this year are going to be great, but you got my attention, made me chuckle, etc. So, you have to experiment. You have to jump off ledges. You know, they got to be calculated risks, but um, you have to be doing things that people are going to look at and go, why the heck did they do that? Um, Some will fall flat, fail fail quickly and move on, but you got to take those risks. You got to have fun. If you're not having fun, why are you doing it?
2: Yeah, I, I I do think that uh, I think that there's so much with like the constraints of all the COVID stuff that people were um, just felt like they didn't have a lot of options that they couldn't really do do things. But, you know, conversely, it's like there are a lot of things that you you can do uh, and it forces you to to treat things totally different. I You know, one of the big things that I've seen over the past year is kind of people um, deconstructing an event and trying to figure out like for the first time ever, like, what is an event? Like, why do we do the things that we do? <laughs> um, like, you know, what are the different pieces of an that go into creating an event and, you know, and what's the actual uh, uh, reason for those? And I think that like that, that thought process alone has been so useful and like, recreating how people, you know, have done, have done events. I'm curious. Um, obviously you made the, the big, uh, the big splash. Well, I guess it wasn't a splash. If you, if you landed the parachute. how was the landing? I should say. <laughs>
0: uh, well, it was a muddy morning. So they wanted us to land on our butts, which looked a little weird in the cameras, but it, it was great. If you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. It's, it's there. It was, it was, it was a ton of fun. Um, I, I would do it again for sure.
2: Yeah. So, okay. Well, no, 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 uh, no feed landing, no stick to landing. I was in the army for 10 years. So I've, I've jumped out of, of a few airplanes in my day and, uh, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of good landings for, for all Ian. Um, but, uh, but, but, it, but, I you know, maybe there's a metaphor there for sticking the landing on a marketing campaign. Um,
0: no, but you're right. I mean, this year has has had a lot of people go and like questioning, hey, do we still do this? Like, what's an event worth? How's it going to be organized? And, you know, when we went into ours and look, we're event driven. Um, there's always an event. It's just a matter to what scale. Is it nine weeks or is it, you know, 45 minutes? Um, what you and I are doing is an event, in my opinion. And, and We, I think, had a leg up on our competitors, A, because of our nimble background and agile background. Like, we haven't just been stuck in this B2B, you know, SaaS marketing model where we're like, okay, this is how we used to do events. How the heck are we going to do them virtual? We knew how to do them. I've done hundreds of live concerts with multiple HD cameras. I've done everything down to GoPro, you know, behind the scenes stuff. So we had a leg up there, but we saw it as an opportunity. Anyone who saw it as a negative, like, oh, gosh, we got to now do this all virtual. It's going to stink. It's going to be horrible. We're not sure how to do it. You're looking at it the wrong lens. You got to look at it as an opportunity. Every change in your path, good, bad, or indifferent, is an opportunity to do something new. And that's what we took with it. And that's what I'm hoping people are going to continue to do into 2021 is say, how can we make our events better? You know, virtual is not a handcuff. Virtual is basically a new medium to uh, redefine what a quote-unquote event looks like. And that's a huge opportunity.
2: When you kind of took that, that lens of creating a, a, a digital event, how did you think about it? What, what, what was your advice to the team yeah. how to make this thing special?
0: Yeah, you know, um, I didn't win all of the battles. Um, you know, I'm not a dictator in the content team, but we had some very <laughs> spirited conversations and people had a lot of opinions. And I think a lot of them... We're drawn on past experience. Again, you know, a lot of my team, just honestly, they've been in this world. They've been marketing to businesses and selling SaaS. And, you know, they kind of live in a little bit of a bubble that way. Not not bad because they have solid ideas and they have great experience when it comes to traction and driving sales. However, you know, things like, oh, let's do three days in a row and we'll do it seven hours a day. I'm going, are you nuts? Like, Who has seven hours of their time to give to a a technology firm? Even if they're paying us millions of dollars a year, they got a business to run, man. They got fires to put out. COVID's wrecking their life. They're going through a digital transformation. You know, look at our restaurant clients. Look at some of our clients who went bankrupt, you know? Um, I mean, in the retail and brick and mortar space, they got bigger problems than showing up for Cheetah Digital's, you know, three-day event. It's not going to happen. So I took the approach of, all right, guys, what would you be able to consume? What kind of length? What are the topics? And what's the cadence? Like instead of three days or even one week, uh, we ended up on nine weeks. We're like, you know, let's not rush it, right? Let's make it easily digestible and consumable. You can give me an hour a week or 30 minutes a week because each week we'll have a new topic and of our 10 sessions, one will be really impactful for you and you'll show up and it worked. You know, We had far more registrants than we planned on. The engagement was through the roof and we actually got notes from, from a lot of our clients who said, thank you for making this you know, stretched out so I didn't have to show up for four hours on one day. Nobody learns anything in a deep dive in four hours anyway. You can't consume enough, you can't keep track of it all. So we made the decision to spread it out over time, make it bite-sized, make it slippery, All the things I did for B2C. If you think about how to B2C goes, and Red Bull TV, I think is a great one, right? They they haven't been a drink company for years, over in decades. They're a media company. And they give you bite-sized stuff that's snackable and consumable when you want. Sure, they might sponsor the New Year's Eve event on ABC or NBC. But in general, it's consume this content when you want, where you want, how you want. And that's what we did. And so far, it's working. It's working great.
2: I think the same way. So I'm going to put our our bias uh, at the forefront (laughs) of the conversation, because I think we're probably both content uh, people. I do feel at times that like when you're a content person, like, you know, every, every, uh, every, uh, you know, problem is a nail because you're wielding the hammer. (laughs) Um, You know, you're obviously someone who's produced like literal award winning, you know, number one in class content. You know, I, I do I do wonder about this sometimes of like, how much do we as marketers uh, when we when we love to make content when, you know, we're thinking about those things? Because, you know, and the reason why I say this is because I think first and foremost, like marketers have to make things that actually, you know, I say marketing needs to be remarkable, which means like you need to like talk about it and like tell people because otherwise, like if you didn't make something worth talking about it, then like don't do it in the first place. But like, I just feel the most connected with the shows that I love. Like I feel the most connected with the pieces of content or, you know, the things that have like helped me in my career that have like really, you know, helped me. And sometimes those things are, you know, a listicle of, you know, I was just reading an article about you know, like um, KPI metrics for ABM, you know, I've probably read those articles like 55 times, but it's like, it's just good to go back in and and, and check those things out. So, you know, I mean, I, I get that there's like the business related content, but what about just making something great, making something that people like freaking love?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't lose that. You have to, you have to continue to make something that goes beyond just being a, you, you know, utility. Um, It's like, oh, thanks for informing me in that 45-minute webinar of how I should, you know, make my emails better. That's utility. Um, You have to inspire. We did a little bit of that at Signals. You know, we we sat down with Sint Marshall, who's the CEO of the Dallas Mavericks, Um, has an incredible background in diversity, inclusion, and has an amazing road that she's traveled. And it was very inspiring. We got some notes from from quite a few, uh, mostly clients. Our clients reach out to us. We're engaged with our clients, prospects, you know, here and there, but they said, like, that was inspiring. You know, that was cool. That was an unexpected, you know, little nugget at the end of Signals. So you always do have to inspire. You got to reach down. You got to inspire. You know, my, my default is probably shock and awe more than inspiration, just from my background. Like, like I said, hiring Tommy Lee to co host a, a virtual series for a uh, multi channel marketing platform sounds a little crazy, but um, you have to inspire. You have to do things differently. You got to take the time and, you know, you got to do those well if you're going to do them at all.
2: Every single event has this like pyramid, I shouldn't say pyramid scheme, uh, this like pyramid approach to the guests where you're like, okay, we're going to go get the biggest, baddest person that we can get. Um, that's like, you know, relevant. I, To be fully honest, I didn't know who Michael McDonald was. So <laughs> I had to Google that while you were talking. That's all right. Um,
0: I think someone. Um, I, I will quote this. I think there's a movie, an Adam Sandler movie or something, where he's in it and they kind of poke fun at it and I'm Like,
2: oh, that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, dude, uh, dude. let's see. He's a listener to this show, and then sorry, Michael. Um, no, no. Hey, I, look,
0: man. The guy. I've got gold and platinum records on my wall, um, but he's got far more. So I'm not. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to take any more digs at Michael McDonald.
2: Yeah, no, for real. But so I. Um, but I think that so you have this thing. You're like, okay, we're gonna go get. Um, uh you, basically you're looking for like okay we want the anchor people then we want the anchor guests and then we will u- we use those guests to to go you know get kind of like a, a more practitioner level and then more practitioner level and then you know out to like the breakout rooms and that's a, how you you know attract people to pay a thousand bucks to to come to your event um and then you know hopefully you made it a thing that that was great and that they loved and when you were doing that digitally it's just a totally different proposition because like, like one of the events that I remember watching that I was like truly looking forward to was, you know, back in the day, it was, uh, the writers of Westworld were going to be talking about writing season one of Westworld and they were working on season two. And I was like, man, it was just something that I like really wanted to sit in on and and, and listen to that thing because they don't talk a lot. So it was like really, you know, like bespoke that, that you could hear them talk. Now it's so tough with how content is delivered that event content and like something like a podcast or any other type of on-demand content is just on-demand on demand content. Now it doesn't matter if it's an event or whatever. So how do you, con- how do you make something that people want to show up? Like we've seen a lot of people say like, oh, we had 20,000 subs to our event this year, way more than we've had, like six times more than we've ever had. But you know, the vast majority of those people listen to one or two things, which again, that could be a huge win for your organization, but it's very different than like going to an event and kicking it for two days and breathing in that kind of like brand goodness that you get of being at someone's event.
0: Yeah, no, totally fair. And in person, like virtual will never replace in person, right? Pressing the flash being, you know, eye to eye, eye contact is everything is this resonating? I mean, I've, I can't tell you how many events I've been to and been on stages speaking. And I look out and it's like, you know, if half the audience is looking at their phone or doing something different, it's like, it's great that they're here. You can count numbers of butts and seats, but are they engaged? So what I do like about digital is you can tell engagement. Um, there's great tools out there. that will say, are they actually engaged? You know, are they doing something else? But in general, I take the approach, my personal approach is in digital, there's more content than ever, right? When I was making television, YouTube didn't exist. Facebook was like a year old. Like, think about that. Um, yeah. we, we, it was the television. You turned on the TV. You know, you couldn't watch videos on your phone. If you did, like you were watching a couple. Today's day and age, there's so much content, so many resources. I mean, you know, these kids at home could probably get as much education going to YouTube to, to learn about their math and social studies and everything. So how do you stand out? And what we took the approach on, and I'll continue to take it until this pandemic is over and we can do more in person, is... I have to provide real actual value to you. I am not HBO. I am not an entertainment company. I'm not Variety Magazine where I will put together the writers of Westworld or or some other inspirational panel. You know, we might do that 5% of the time in an event like Signals, but I really need to provide real value. And what was interesting is you know everyone was like oh you have great we have great clients at cheetah we got to get them we got american express hilton you know williams sonoma all these giant brands i said yeah that's great There's are good logos to put on that's what everyone else would do put on great logos but as we know and i'm not naming names a lot of big companies that have great results don't want to share those results, right? There's a reason why Apple will never share their results and metrics outside of you know, public information. Um, totally. Same with a ton of brands, right? And anybody who's in the B2B space who sits in the same similar role that I have, they know what I'm talking about. It's like, you got a great client, they're doing amazing things, but you are like buttoned up, can't tell it. So for me, it was about, I don't care what your logo is. I don't care what your name is are you getting an amazing result? And can you share that? And can you share not just the result? Don't say a number like Sal and group said, man, we get 10 times the engagement. when we we'll use personalization. All right, cool. Don't end there. How'd you do it? What are you doing? What are you doing differently? So we wanted to get clients and, uh, you know, we wanted people that were actually going to say, this is how we did it. This is how we overcame our goals. So that was really important to me is, was the value exchange. I wanted to ensure that every piece of content you watch from Cheetah, at the end, you're not going to go, huh, sounds like they're getting really good stuff and this sounds like an infomercial for Cheetah. Yeah, I've seen through this before. I've seen other companies that do that. We want to actually give you the meat and potatoes. We want to say, wow, that's an interesting take. I should probably, you know, refine my strategy and add that tactic that that client just explained. The other crucial, crucial thing, I think, in this B2B space when it comes to content, Whenever possible, let your clients tell the story. Don't tell it for them. Again, if I see another report or another download or another gate that tells me I'm going to get some amazing metrics, like tell it through the lens of the client, put them on camera, let them tell the story, don't tell it for them. So those are kind of things that we're sticking to with our strategy here when it comes to content. Um, And for us, it's working. So we know it's resonating.
2: Yeah, so let's talk about how it's working. Uh, You know, obviously half half your job is data. What were some of those KPIs or metrics that you look for those engagement uh, metrics that you're like, okay, we're, we're hitting the mark.
0: There's a couple of interesting things. You have all the standards, right. That you're going to have like, okay, how many views, how many registrants, what session, et cetera, who showed up, you know, everybody has that. That's, that's table stakes. You're going to have that. And those were good for us. There were a few sessions I hoped were, we're going to do better than they did. Um, But the other thing is we're still this content that we created is fairly evergreen. I mean, we've got most content will last for a year. It's still a good story. So we're just getting started, so to speak. You know, we just wrapped it up a couple of weeks ago. Then there were other metrics where we actually had feedback surveys, right? We had engagement. I mean, our platform engages people in survey sweepstakes and, and all kinds of psychographic um, data from consumers for our brands, our, our brand clients. So we used our own technology. So we started to understand like, yes, that was a great session, but I would have, learned to know, you know, would have learned more if you went down this rabbit hole. So that was really important to me. It was another benefit of doing it over nine weeks. You can launch your first week and get real-time feedback, literally focus groups, um, metrics, et cetera. How long did they watch? Did the 25-minute session hold people to the end, or were these 10 minute sessions more valuable? And we were able to bob and weave our content strategy as we went, you know, television does that sometimes now in the digital age, you better believe the reason Netflix is so powerful and they get people to watch so much is they'll kind of put some things up, test it out and go make edits and and bobs and weaves. So we're taking the same approach. You know, we want direct feedback. We want psychographic, not just metrics, right? Metrics are in the past. Um, they can help you infer what's going to happen in the future, but we wanted more of those lead measures and we wanted more of the psychographics. Um, so I'd strongly suggest anybody that's gone down that path, look at as much psychographic data you can get out of your audience uh, as possible on top of just pure metrics and, and clicks and numbers.
2: So when you said that you did a nine week event, to me, that sounded like a show, right? Like it sounds like you made a nine week series, right yeah
0: yeah, look, I mean, appointment viewing is a is a pretty in- interesting thing uh, in this day and age when people lob things out, look, your podcast is appointment viewing, you know things like that are structured. you know when they 're going to come or you know what format it 's going to be. Um, yes, we definitely took appointment viewing, we had five different topics. Um, we told you exactly and clearly when they were going to happen. We told you it's only going to be Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Don't ever expect to watch anything on a Monday or Friday from us in this series. So yeah, we took a kind of traditional television scheduling approach, um, which was really helped in the promotion. Cause now you knew you only had to show up on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. You knew you were going to get an email ahead of time. Um, there were just, we just teed it up. It was really easy for people to follow. And if you couldn't make it live, no problem. It's, it's available on demand immediately after. So, you know, using funnels and and nurtures and email and push uh, and calendar invites, you know, that's how we we got people to consume this stuff.
2: Yeah, I'm curious. Is there any downside to um to the, because I, I think I've had some things, you know, that have popped up over the last six months where it's like, oh, I really want to watch that thing. And then, you know, it gets double booked and you're like, okay, now I got a meeting that time. And you kind of never go back and watch it because there's this like volume of like, you know. 27 different things. Um, I just, man, I wonder, you know, you can't make everything for everyone, right? And it's like, you talked about personalization, how important that is. It's like, uh, what I haven't seen anyone do yet is like, come back to me and say, Ian, based off of what we know about you, you should watch these three sessions from our event. And like, if you like, just, just do these three Everything else, great if you get to it, but like really you want to focus on these three things Um, because I think that that's part of the thing is like, you know, there's all, it's just, there's so much volume that it's overwhelming and you have like your day job and you know, you have family running around and all that stuff. And I just feel like that's, I mean, I think that that's the nice utility of, of podcasts and things like that. It's like, you know, Hey, you know, marketing trends is going to come to you twice a week and that's it. It's manageable. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, 45 minutes twice a week. Um, when you that's why i like your approach of the nine-week approach because you're not saying like we have 45 sessions including a two-hour keynote including multiple product keynotes like that, that just that stuff is when you're not sitting there in person and you can walk around the event hall and drink some you know coffee and eat some food it's just kind of feels like a little bit of sprawl
0: it really is and, and the digital sprawl is it's not physical right like you know if you walk into a hotel or is all right, food's over here. That stage has this kind of stuff. This stage has that. It's very physical. You, you can map it out. And look, if you're a military guy, you, you were trained on that. So, you probably think in that way. I think in that way. Digital is, like you said, you don't know what you don't know. It's not like you can just peek in some like meeting room and see an agenda posted on the door and go, okay, that room's about this for the next three days. Um, it, is a, it is a vast landscape and a void sometimes. So, But what I think is key is you brought up personalization. And I'll I'll couple the the goal for us to personalize your feeds with something else I said, which is our content has shelf life, right? So I may not know. You may have just come for one session. I don't know much about you. I I got your company name. I got your email. Maybe that's the bare bones. But over time, we're going to find ways to engage you and understand what's your function. What are you responsible for? And then we're going to go down and say, hey, look, here's some common hurdles and problems that marketers have. Which of these do you have? right? And it's, and it's a value exchange. So, if you give me that information, then I'm, I'm going to bother you less, right? I'm going to cast and blast at you less. I can personalize. I can rifle target you when I have something that you actually need. And I think that's another huge area that companies need to focus on. Are you the greedy brand that says, hey, we got this great piece of content. You got to get it in everybody's hands right now. Send it out. Cast and blast. Newsletter, email. Tomorrow. Like, that's very greedy from the brand side how do you start to send less how do you start to market less but to the right people at the right time and that is a constant ever evolving conversation it's like dating somebody you know getting to learn are we going to the next level are we is this a real relationship or is this you know superficial that's a huge part of it and that's what we're struggling with look it's not easy um i'm not telling you we're hitting home runs constantly because we're not you know we want to get the right content into the right people's hands and that's a difficult task um some people are gated again they're They might be calloused to this whole B2B, you know, marketing landscape that we as B2B marketers have created for ourselves, right? Everybody's vying for someone's time. I mean, my own inbox. uh, Before I joined Cheetah, I have an agency. I still have it that does, you know, personalization and marketing for, for global brands. And my inbox is flooded with people trying to sell me things. And, you know, I just don't have the time, as you mentioned, life, kids, job, work, time is the most precious thing that we all have, and you can never get any of it back. So, you know, we're all, we're all working on that. We're, we're, but I believe the more you ask, the more you give people an opportunity to tell them about themselves in meaningful ways, very quick, very simple, you better use that information for good. And you better put in the elbow grease and the hard work to segment and personalize rather than... Cast and blast hey what's our newsletter up to hundred thousand people? great send this out that's not how we market
2: so a few more things before we get out of here our our listeners would be would be remiss if i didn't at least ask about uh, your time with with mark Cuban uh, you know since you started working with him, uh, he has become a mega superstar i mean you know I i don't even know pantheon entrepreneur uh in in the world right now, which is just remarkable. I, you know, I think, um, I think Mark probably doesn't really get his, uh, his do funny enough in how good of a customer experience guy he is. I think he's killer at that. If you look at like all the stuff that he does for the Mavericks and like, you know, Maverick fan for life and all that sort of stuff, what was your experience working with Mark and how good of a marketer is he?
0: Yeah. You know, Mark's an interesting dude. First off, really like Mark. And the one thing I will say about Mark Cuban is when you are on Mark's team, you are like covered. That is, that is really cool. Cause a lot of people ask that like, yeah, you know, he's got a lot of companies, this and that, but you're on his team. You are covered, man. And I could tell you stories about how he's taking care of people in ways in unfortunate situations um, that he wouldn't have to. So first off, if you're on his team, you're on his team. Second, yes, he's very experiential, man. He's a guy who, look, this is a guy who went and sold trash bags door to door. I mean, you know, he, he's, he's worked hard. He's read every single manual to every single piece of software that he's used or sold or bought. I mean, he gets into it. And that's how you get an experience-driven leader. And I love what he did at the Mavs. I worked with uh, Ken Bonds in Rest His Soul, who was down there on the digital side for the Mavs. And what they've built inside that building from, from the entertainment and halftime shows to, you know, how you can engage and all the great, you know, digital personalized offers that they're doing. It's amazing. And Cynthia Marshall, again, being the CEO and her leadership is taking it to new worlds. So uh, I learned a lot with Mark and Mark gave me the reins, you know, as, as I, you know, when I landed at running the marketing department for Access TV, We created a ton of experiences. We did, you know, 125 or maybe 150 concerts live a year, like Jazz Fest, right? Two weeks at Jazz Fest, we went and created an entire interactive, you know, digital feed to complement, you know, the HD feed on your big TV. So it's always been experience driven. Um, He's always looking for bleeding edge. He's kind of the guy who will find bleeding edge, but turn it into cutting edge, right? He'll make it ubiquitous. He'll make it viable. And and that's what I've always liked about him. He's always pushed, uh, you know, really interesting guy.
2: You know, you've also worked with all sorts of, uh, creatives, um, musicians and, and, uh, you know, celebrities and, and all sorts of people, you know, on the other end of the camera, you've done a little bit of it yourself. I want to know how you manage creatives because as you know, I have friends who, who manage artists and, um, as someone who's, you know, managed writers and and folks like that, especially during a pandemic, it's something that like is so hard to do. And I don't know if you, if you've watched the the show, um, now I'm going to forget what it is, but, uh, the one with like little Dickie, his, like his show where they bring in like his his friend is like his, his business guy, his manager. And he's like, okay, so you make Oh, anyways, there's this one. There's this one scene where he's like, "Okay, so, uh, you so wake up at 8 a.m. Uh, and then make uh make a hit record, and then we'll do a viral vid- video in the afternoon, and then um, or like make a hit song, and then so by the end of the year, you'll have 17 hit songs, and we'll have like 15 viral videos or whatever, and then, uh, days like, dude, that's not how it works. But I think that that is so. That's like such. I sent it to my buddy who's who manages. Uh, a few artists. I was like, dude, this is exactly the conversation that like we would have, right? Is like the business person's like, okay, just make all this stuff. And then the artist is like, that's not how this works. <laughs> so I'm just curious, like how have you managed that in your career?
0: Well, I could tell you stories where it didn't go well and how, yeah. You know, look, and I'll, I'll be very frank. I mean, Bam Margera and I, who at the time, Bam was the biggest, I mean, selling more skateboards and shoes and uh, I, then Tony Hawk, like way more. Um, around 2003 to 2006 I and mean, he was a giant. He was just everywhere. He could not go anywhere without being recognized. He had the second highest selling clothing line, signature clothing line behind Kobe Bryant at the time. So, wow. and we were partners, we had a production company, we had a record label, we had businesses together and he was a creative brain, but man, he just could not focus around getting to the next goal. If I could say, man, if you just do this, like this next thing will be really easy. And he just couldn't, he couldn't get there. He couldn't get there. And I think he struggled with that and he still struggles with it today. Um, It was pretty well known, you know, he's got an addiction problem and back and forth. I had to just cut ties. You know, when I moved to Denver outside of Philly, when we were living together, you know, just had to walk away, you know, and help it. I was able to help him from afar, not as a business partner. So you have to meet the goal. Uh, Unless you have endless funds and you're, you know, independently wealthy, Everything has to go to a purpose and it has to be a goal. And sometimes that goal can be for good. It could be for charity. It could be for whatever, but you got to meet the goal. And, and with my creative team right now, and I have some really fun, interesting people, uh, again, some more military people that really get creative and like, hey, we can do this, that, and the other thing. We can do anything. Hey, you
2: know, they hey make- Bob Ross was a veteran. We're, we're, more, we're more versatile <laughs> than everybody thinks. Yeah. I'll say
0: that. They're amazing people, man. And uh, they have this inherent you know, engine inside them that says, yeah, I'll take it on. We can get it done but you have to manage expectations and you have to map it to a goal. So, and that's what I try and do with my team is always come back to the goal and say, guys, there's the mountain. My agency's name is Audience Sherpa. It's all about building your audience, engaging your audience, and managing your audience, but we're Sherpas. I can help you get to the top of your mountain and you may need oxygen. The next person may not. You may need, you know, warmer gear. The next person may not. So it's all about custom tailoring, Uh, your needs to get to the top of your mountain. And that's the approach we're taking here at Cheetah. Uh, And just in general, like it has to go towards a goal, but you're right. There has to be a give and take on both sides. You can't just simply say, write a hit record and then write a next one. Um, There's a process to it. And like I said, fail fast. I, I believe in that theory, fail fast. Something's not going right. Eject. It's fine. Stand up, brush the dirt off, try again.
2: Okay, before we get out of here, let's get to our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing with Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. Uh, Salesforce brings automation and engagement together. Salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. They've been with us since the first episode of this show. Check them out. Lightning round questions. Tim, are you ready? I am ready. Number one, what app on your phone is the most fun?
0: I think Lutron kind of weird, but I have 57, I think switches and plugs and electrical in my house and I can set moods, uh, literally based on my attitude for the day. Like my entire house can be set, you know, saw a video of Bill Gates doing it 20 years ago and now I can do it. So Lutron Caseta app.
2: Cool. I don't know that one. Um, if you, if you weren't in marketing anymore, what do you think you'd be doing?
0: I'd be in construction. I like physically seeing things come together. I used to be in construction years and years ago, two decades ago. And I think that would be, bring me peace of mind.
2: Watch something come together physically. What's, uh, what's cool. next for Cheetah?
0: What's next for Cheetah? It's all about personalization. We are going to take the world by storm and it's about personalizing. We're going to we're gonna personalize down to things you didn't even know about yourself. Not in a creepy way, but we're going we're gonna to really <laughs> help brands We're really going to help brands make a connection and cut through the clutter in 2021 through hyper-personalization.
2: What's your best advice for someone who is a first-time VP of content and data?
0: My advice would be understand what your goals are, clearly define them. You have to have fun, create content that people care about and resonates, but understand what your goals are. If you don't know what your goals are, ask your leaders to clearly define them. You know, you can have a lot of fun with content and you can get lost in data. Look, Donald Trump for 20 years was a billionaire. And for the same 20 years, other people will tell you he was a total failure and and in debt. So, you know, data can be seen through a lot of different lenses. Don't get wrapped up in it. Just make it meet your goals.
2: Tim, you're the man. This has been super fun. I could ask you a million more, uh, more stories about, uh, how you've gleaned nuggets of marketing along the way and, and how to create amazing content. Um, but uh but you got to get out of here so uh and so do we and so do our listeners
0: when you guys lift your uh when you lift your ban on on curse words i'll come back and tell some real stories of the, the heyday in the music world
2: <laughs> we'll definitely take you up on that we'll we'll mark the episode as explicit we'll do a, uh we'll do a crazy one um tim thanks again uh anytime uh we'd love to have you back and uh, we'll talk soon great appreciate it guys
1: marketing trends podcast is brought to you by salesforce discover marketing built on the world's number one crm salesforce put your customer at the center of every interaction automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey salesforce we bring marketing and engagement together learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing